Pro teams have millions to spend, and they don't always spend them wisely. But when it comes to a great shave, you don't have to shell out tons of cash. Harry's saw customers getting ripped off by the shaving industry, with overpriced, underperforming products, and decided to do something better. They found their own way to make beautifully designed razors for a fraction of the price of the other big brands, so you never wonder if you overpaid. Harry's shaving products look great, and the weighted handle makes shaving feel great too. I like to keep my beard neat, and Harry's always leaves me with a smooth yet crisp shave. Harry's quality is top-notch, thanks to German-engineered blades made in their own factory that stay sharp longer. You can get a five-blade razor, weighted handle, foaming shave gel, and a travel cover for just three bucks at harrys.com slash bluewire. And Harry's has the highest customer satisfaction in the shaving industry, plus a convenient subscription option that you can cancel at any time. Getting the best doesn't mean spending the most when you shave with Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com slash bluewire. That's harrys.com slash bluewire for a $3 trial set. Good luck with the most beautiful game. Do us proud. Red alert! They're up and running again. So sweet, splendid, succinct, just glorious execution. Guys, all I'm looking for is 60% effort, 4,000% of the time. How sharp was that? Sharp of mind and body. And that's why you see your beautiful tears. Look at his movements. The most dangerous man on the planet, nobody picks him up. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Wonder Goal, this soccer betting podcast from the Action Network, presented to you by our wonderful sponsors, Bet365. My name is Michael Leboff, and joining me, as always, are BJ Cunningham and Anthony DeBundo. And together, the three of us will break down the action across the European soccer landscape this weekend, go through all 10 Premier League matches, give out our favorite bets there, touch on the Bundesliga, La Liga, Serie A, Ligue 1, hand out a three-leg money line parlay, and then give our favorite bets in the Premier League for the weekend uh, before getting out of here. And there is only one place to start this weekend. Forest and Bournemouth. No, I'm just kidding. The Merseyside Derby at Goodison Park. Everton, 7-1 underdogs at home, taking on Liverpool, minus 275. The draw here is 4-1. I am a, uh, for anyone new here, I'm a diehard Everton tragic. So I'm going to actually cede the floor to you, BJ, first. Uh, You were on Liverpool this past mm-hmm. week, but has your tune changed a little bit around the Reds? I mean, a little bit. This this match is just weird. Like, I actually am showing a little bit of value on Liverpool, but that doesn't take into the fact that Thiago is still out and that Liverpool is just going to continue to ride with the midfield of James Milner and Jordan Henderson, which just isn't really working right now. And I mean, listen, Liverpool is probably going to dominate possession in this match. They're probably going to press Everton effectively. Darwin Nunez, I think, will be back for suspension. But Everton, I really just, I mean, they are kind of just turning back into what they were under Rafa Benitez. Like, they're just playing so ultra conservative. You know, when when Lampard came in, we thought, okay, they're going to get out of the 4-4-2. They're going to start to play, you know, a 3-4-3 or something more imaginative. And when they play these bigger sides, it's just... Let's just sit in defensively. They did the same thing against Brentford when they went up one nothing against Leeds. They they were a little bit more aggressive in the second half after it got back to one one. You know, but once they got a lead, they just kind of sat back and let Leeds basically do what they wanted to. So and, you know, these Merseyside derbies they have have gone Liverpool's way the last few times. Decade, it's almost been a, <laughs> a decade of it. I think Everton have, uh, Everton one, got a win in there. Yeah, they have one win in the yeah uh, the I, I, pandemic I empty. Stadium. I, I'm trying, and Michael, I'm trying to make a case for Everton. Like I'm trying to get there and say, you know. I want to play Everton or I want to try to play, you know, I, I'm even close to playing a both teams to score uh, because I do think that Liverpool has been a little bit vulnerable playing that high line. They've given up a little bit too much. They did it today against Newcastle. They've done it to teams, you know, in, in the past. So I don't know what to make of this match. Um, projection wise, I'm at Liverpool minus 330. I have a total of 3.6. So maybe potentially I was playing over, but then, I'd say, you know, I mean, Everton hasn't been good defensively. They are over 1.5 XG allowed in every match except for the Nottingham Forest match. So 
I'm, I'm leaning towards that over, but I want to wait and see if that comes down a little bit, maybe get it over three at even money or something like that. If I can't get that, this one's just going to be a pass for me and we'll watch uh, Liverpool go behind and then come back and win two, one and break your heart, Michael. I think the case for Everton is what you touched on in the midfield, which is how we've been playing against Liverpool's to start the season. Amadou Onana looks a real player. Alex Awobi has been really good in the middle of the park for Everton. And it does look like they're about to get Adrisa Ghana guy in back in uh, to Goodison Park. And a midfield three of Onana, Awobi, and Ghana, Onana and Ghana and Awobi, uh, <laughs> would give Liverpool trouble, I think, in, in, in the middle of the field. And the, the center back pairing of, of James Tarkovsky and Connor Cody is good enough that they should be able to at least, you know, there's the type of players that are really good in these kind of situations where it's going to be a big blue bus parked behind, uh, you know, with 10 guys back. And who who would you rather have anchoring that big blue bus than Connor Cody and James Hartkowski in a game where you're going to see like 80% possession. And then I think Anthony Gordon and, and Damari Gray can give some issues to Trent Alexander Arnold going uh, back and, and that Liverpool defense has looked leaky. So I, I do think the number is good enough to have a dabble on Everton. So that's where I'm going to be going. I do think, the team is getting better. They're, they're starting to get the bodies in that they need to basically push the bodies that they don't need out of the lineup. And hey, they'll get to play with, with an actual striker for the first time uh, in this match after they didn't get Neil Malpai registered in time because of a bank holiday for some weird reason. Uh, Anthony, what are your thoughts here? Merseyside Derby. My first thought is England has way too many bank holidays. I feel like that happens every, every uh, other week. But mm-hmm. uh, my second thought is that I would like to bet Jurgen Klopp complaining about time wasting over a half first half because you already know coming into this game, Everton's going to be time wasting from the first minute uh, and they're going to be parking the bus. Like you mentioned, Uh, the one thing that scares me about backing Everton at home plus one and a half, which is what I would bet if I had to bet it is that uh, Darwin Nunez is back and he's going to probably start up top and look as good as Bobby Firmino has been. I mean, I called him washed two weeks ago and he's got three goals and three assists since I said he's washed. Despite that, I mean, this team looked just miles, miles better, and it's a small sample. But the 90 minutes that he played against Fulham and then the first 60 against Palace, they didn't score, but uh, the attack looked way, way better. And I'm partially wondering if having a true striker will open up more space for Salah to get going because he's had a little bit of a slow start to the season in terms of finishing as well, but also just chance creation. I think, uh, you know, I don't think Liverpool's going to have a ton of problems getting through Everton's midfield. And I do think once they get down toward the byline, I think having someone like a Nunez who can kind of bully in the middle and get on the end of chances, not, not, not that he's Holland, but Holland-esque, Holland liked in a way. Uh, I think that really does make a big difference for Liverpool. And, and uh, that scares me off of betting against them here. Uh, but if I had to bet, it would be Everton plus one and a half. I mean, we talked about Liverpool defensive regression on this show, the whole second half of last season. Right. And I bet Everton team total over a half at minus 110 in this fixture last year, and now it's minus 155. So I think that kind of gets to the point where, you know, we know Everton's probably about the same team they were in late April, maybe a little better, but the market has clearly shown they have downgraded Liverpool's defense after what happened in uh, the last two months. I mean, they've conceded first in eight of their last nine matches uh, in the Premier League. The Everton time-wasting became a a talking point because Jesse Marsh went all cringe pointing to his... uh his watch there. Uh, how about this though? That match between Everton and Leeds uh, of, of the five matches Leeds United have played this year, the ball and play time, 56 minutes, 19 seconds. That is the highest uh, for any Leeds match this season. So uh, he was, he was just making mountains out of molehills there. Uh, and and we did see Everton, of course, uh, go full shit house uh, against Liverpool at Anfield. I mean, if you remember that game, Anthony, the one that you were just referring to Everton, they were time wasting for the beginning, but they had to. I mean, they were in a relegation scrap. There also so, should have been a penalty in that game. I'm still upset about that. Yeah, I know. Yeah, it's not. Also, my my win rate on these 7:30 a.m. matches this season and good dating back to last year is like 10. percent I, I start down. <laughs> I start down a unit every single Saturday morning, and I wake up to it. Uh, I wake up early, and I'm like all excited, razzed up, and then you know, United. I had Villa under. They scored two goals in the last five minutes. Like I just find ways to lose these 7:30 bets. So I think I'm going to pass this week. For my entire life, ever since I started betting soccer, I have this weird superstition that if I lose the 6.30 a.m. game here Central Time, I always do so much better the entire day in every other sport. 
So like in the back of my head, I always think, well, if I lose the opening match, I actually might do that well the rest of the, the rest of the day. So but I have no data set. to back that up whatsoever. It just you're, makes me feel better. You're, you're selling, selling the first set in, in tennis. Exactly. Match <laughs> um, all right. So I'm let's, the Fabio Fanini of, of, we, hey, we would never ever infer anything like that. Uh, Let's move to the 10 a.m. kickoffs then and, and get away from these ugly 7.30 a.m. starts that give Anthony nightmares. Uh, we'll start with Brentford and Leeds. This one is taking place at Brentford Community Stadium. Brentford plus 115 at Bet365. Leeds United plus 230. The draw here is plus 240. Leeds now dealing with uh, uh, an injury to Rodrigo, who looked like a dislocated shoulder. I'm not sure they confirmed that yet. And Brentford coming off a... Hard fought, pretty impressive draw at Crystal Palace. Uh, I thought both teams probably would would like to say that they deserve more from that game, which tells you that a draw maybe is a fair result. Brentford plus one fifteen here, like I said, they closed plus one ten at home to Everton, which you know maybe is a little wonky because uh, I think we all could agree that th- so right now Leeds is better than Everton, even I think even without Rodrigo. Uh, but this is this is a pretty simple pass for me, uh, Anthony. Anything for you, Brentford and Leeds? Yeah, you know Rodrigo. Looks like the greatest player that's ever lived after the first four matches of the season, but uh, they have replacements for him. I mean, Bamford's now healthy. We'll see if they sell Dan James, but uh, I also love Luis Sinistera. Awesome goal for him, uh, but just an awesome start to the season. He's looked very lively. Uh, I think he deserves a start, and I think he can pretty much slot in and do most of, you know, between Bamford and Sinistera, I think they more than replace the production of Rodrigo being out. Uh, and from a you know number point of view, I actually have a little bit of value on Leeds here. So I, I lean toward oh. Leeds. I know I like them much more than BJ does, and oh. BJ likes Brentford a lot more than I do, and and that's where we we kind of differ in this match. Uh, I have these two teams pretty comparable, and oh. uh, you know after home field advantage, it gets me close to playing Leeds, but not close enough. So I'm going to probably be passing here, Brentford. They're so much better at home that I I almost hate even thinking about betting against them at the Brentford Community Stadium. But if you're looking to go against Brentford as a favorite uh, is is one place where you can generally find success. Uh, Leeds also bad set piece defense last year. That's another thing that kind of gives me a red flag and why this will probably ultimately be a pass. If Brentford gets to odds on, uh, you will see me bet Leeds plus a half on the road here. Go ahead, BJ. I mean... You're just, it's just disgusting. I mean, this Brentford team was so much better than Leeds last year. And I know you're going to tell me that they had to play the academy players for like literally three matches, but I, I'll be honest. I really don't think Leeds have played five matches manager. this year and they're like, I don't really think 90, Jesse Marsh is a good manager. I'll just say it. I really don't think he is, honestly. I, I agree. With I think you, he's Jay. annoying. I don't think he's, he's a good he, manager. You know what he does? I think he does. Thomas Frank is such a better manager than he is. I think he's going to outman. I, mean, I agree. Him, just Thomas like Frank Graham is a Potter better did. manager. Yes. I mean, Brentford, it's funny because I, I don't really know what to make of their XG numbers. Like I could go over and I could say, oh man, they really dominated Everton and, you know, they went and they outcreated Crystal Palace at Selhurst Park. It's really impressive, but it's because they just keep going behind. Like when, once they go behind, yes, they start to kick it into gear and they actually start to be more aggressive and get the ball moving forward. I would just love to see them do that from the beginning and not get behind because you know, they're, they're averaging over two expected goals per 90 minutes when playing from behind this year. Like that's really impressive, but they're not good playing from a zero, zero game state or playing with a lead, honestly. So, I mean, I haven't had a lead really other than the United match, but I mean, you mentioned it, Anthony, the home and away splits. I mean, let's talk about it since the beginning of last year, Brentford plus 9.4 at the Brentford community stadium leads minus 15.6 away from Ellen road and under Jesse Marsh, Leeds defensively is allowing 1.6 big scoring chances per match. Like they haven't gotten better defensively. So I love Brent. I love Brentford in this match so much. And you already mentioned, obviously the, the set piece issues uh, it's, you know, Brentford, the best, one of the best set piece teams in the premier league Leeds was horrible on set pieces last year. Rodrigo being out sets up perfectly for Brentford at home. So I mean, I got Brentford projected at plus one one. So if you're giving me plus one fifteen, you know, I, I I'd play anything better than that. Again, I, I just think that the, he's not a good a, manager. There is a like, clear trend line in the right direction for Leeds. Would he, here's a question for everybody out there. Do you really think he would have gotten this job if he wasn't American? So wait, 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 wait. So now the argument is that Americans I mean, get preferential honestly, treatment. He was, if, if, well, who owns Leeds? Americans. I, I, I completely understand that. And like, I understand the criticism for Jesse March. But again, we have data from this year and they are plus 0.33 actually difference per 90 through five matches. And it's not like they've played a bunch of pushovers. I mean, they played Chelsea, 
Everton, okay, not that impressive. Uh, Wolves, a below to mid-average team. <laughs> I mean, they've played a relatively weak schedule, yes, but they've put in good performances as underdogs, and they have, uh, I they think... They dominated by Brighton. Yes, Brighton's a very good team. Uh, I, like, they're a top seven, eight team in the league. I mean, yeah. they were on the road and they lost. And and you mentioned the final XG in that match was, what, 1.5 to 0.1 or 0.9? Yeah. I mean, Brighton was the better team, yes. Uh, but I don't think Brentford's as good as Brighton. I think Bright, Brentford doesn't create as much uh, in, in neutral game state as Brighton does. So I'm, look, I'm not betting leads here. I think the number's close, but uh, I don't, gonna be a fun, I don't It's going to be a fun uh, disagreement throughout. I mean, we're going to have disagreements on this. We'll see. Year, we'll see who's, yeah, we'll, we'll just, we'll, we'll keep, we'll keep track of this. So all the listeners out there, please. And, and look, and look, leads, leads have made a lot of improvements or changes at least to their team yeah. in the last and three months. Their entire like, midfield like, is entirely new. Right. Their players the are system better. is different. I agree with their that. Players, the players are better, are definitely better than they were last year. I'm just saying that, I just don't think Marsh is that great of a manager. We'll see. He is definitely cringy uh, and doesn't help oh, the, for stereo- sure, cringy, the yeah. stereotype that American soccer fans are really leaning. It's like he's cringe. he's like playing up this character on the touchline. Oh yeah, no, he's he definitely actually, is. And he did it at Leipzig guy touchline. Yeah, yeah, he's 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 a little much. Yeah, and, maybe it's just who he is. Uh, I think actually that that kind of will will obviously turn against him as as teams will will get up for that and and really want to beat them. But uh, let's move to Chelsea and West Ham now. Chelsea. They are the new crisis club. It was Man United to start, then it was Liverpool, mm-hmm. and now it's Chelsea. Uh, they're minus 200 at home, hosting West Ham plus 450 at Bet365, the draw plus 375. The thing that's most concerning about Chelsea's result to Southampton was that was exactly the type of game that if you said, okay, what's the perfect kind of blueprint for a Chelsea win? It's, okay, go ahead early against a team like Southampton because they will then squeeze the life out of that match and just get it home 2-0 maybe three, one or something uh, and never, ever look threatened. That is not what happened. They obviously lost from ahead. They were one all up Southampton come back. Maybe Southampton a little bit better than all of us realized with uh, all the young talent that's, that's working out right now. We'll see as the season goes on. Uh, Meanwhile, West Ham well-earned draw. I think against Tottenham that second half. I thought they were particularly impressive to, to come back from one nil down against Spurs I mean, you can't pay this price on Chelsea. It's already come down a little bit uh, since the results this afternoon, but I still think it's it's just way too expensive against a West Ham side that, yeah, they, they're not perfect. They have their flaws, but they could beat anybody on their day. Uh, they have the talent to do so. So it'll probably be a, a bet on the West Ham money line for me. Anthony, what do you have here, Chelsea and West Ham? Yeah, I agree. I'm on the hammers. Uh, I bet regret of the week was not firing on Southampton there. My numbers liked them and it came down. Reese James was out. I think that is a big loss. Uh, it was just a virus for him. So I do expect him to be back. But again, even with Gallagher back now, this midfield looks really broken and Mason Mount continues to be MIA to start the season. I think that's the biggest problem right now. Uh, you look at the pass maps from the the Southampton match and it's a lot of just recycling the ball, recycling the ball, recycling the ball, nothing coming of it and then losing the ball, and then now the other team has the ball. So there's there's not any cohesion, and the entire attack is running through Raheem Sterling, who's great. I mean, he had a great game against Southampton. He should have scored a couple, but that can't be the entire attack, especially for a team who's like minus 200 in a Premier League match against West Ham, who, look, they're clearly regressed. I mean, they're not the team that they were last year. They're not the team they were in the first half of the season. But I think it's very clear they're also not as bad as they looked in a couple of the early season matches and some variants went against them early and you expected to come back and they, they played pretty well against Spurs today. And I thought they played well at the weekend defensively, despite being in a center back crisis. And look, the center back issue is real for West Ham, but it's not as important when you're playing a Chelsea attack that has not been able to exploit teams, pick them apart. And I'm going to be honest, the player that Chelsea is missing the most and people will laugh it's Timo Werner. Oh, Timo Werner. And look, the guy could never finish a chance. All the jokes, you know, we all make jokes about him. Timo. But like the player they needed against Southampton to open them up, get in behind, and Werner underrated passer, connecting the play, coming short. Like Werner does a lot of very good things that go unnoticed because he always seemed to miss all of his chances on the end of them, and people only remember those. They're missing a player like that, and Havertz has not been that, and Mount has disappeared. So like Chelsea's in crisis because they're a little bit broken right now. And I'm sure Tuchel will either figure it out or get fired. But <laughs> until then I'm, I'm continuing to look to fade Chelsea. Yeah. I think it depends on the spot. Cause if Chelsea was coming into this week, playing United or 
even Liverpool or someone like that, I think we'd catch a really good number uh, on Chelsea and it would be a buy opportunity. But in this kind of matchup, you're, you're asking to lay minus 200 against a solid mid table side who are well drilled and, and know how to navigate tough situations. Like this team's played together for a very long time, this West Ham core. And they're very and good. Look, they just introduced Lucas uh, Pagetta yeah. today. And I love what he could potentially add to this West Ham team. I think he's a, a very interesting piece to play either with, or I think he'll end up playing in front of Rice and Socek. And when they finally get the center backs healthy, I think uh, that's a big addition to West Ham. I still think they have a problem at striker. Antonio is not look good today. He looks, he looks, he looks old generally. Uh, and the production has not been there, but I think West Ham uh, it, it's a good buy low time for the hammers yep. a little bit. They're not going to finish in the bottom six, seven. I think they're pretty safely right around 10th. Uh, BJ, anything for you here, side or total? Yeah, I might potentially play an under here. Under two and a half is getting up to plus 120 at some places. Uh, you know, you guys mentioned it about Hertz and Mount. They've played a combined 777 minutes in the Premier League this season. They have zero goals and zero assists. So they have literally been MIA throughout the Premier League so far. Uh, but West Ham, you know, obviously they look better today, but we talked about it uh, last week that these David Moyes teams have kind of just peaked a little bit. If you go from their December 4th win against Chelsea at the London stadium last year, they're only at 1.27 XG per match specifically from last year to this year, their, you know, progressive passes, their ball recoveries, their presses, their tackles per 90 are all down significantly with that is just that's just lacking effort honestly that's just acting like at lacking a little bit of spark so we'll see if they get that back i mean they're going to be start playing europe again which was had a huge effect on them towards the second half of last season and i'll be interested to see how west ham sets up in this match because towards the end of last season when they played chelsea I, granted it was during their their europa league run but they went to Stanford Bridge and they just set up, they just basically parked the bus and they played uber defensive. Chelsea outcreated them 2.8 to 0.5 on XG, outshot them 25 to 4. If you remember, Jorginho missed a penalty and then uh, Pulisic came and scored in the 90th minute to win 1 0. But, uh, you know, Chelsea, for, you know, obviously deserved the result. Is West Ham going to play that uber defensive again against Chelsea? Or are they going to say, okay, let's, you know, Southampton was able to take it to them. Why don't we open it up? Why don't we try to counter them? So it'll be interesting. I, if if under two and a half gets to to plus one twenty five, I'm definitely playing it. I only have two point five one goals projected, so um, for me, I'm definitely looking at playing the under in this match. Uh, when I when I first looked at the slate for this com- coming weekend, two prices jumped off the boards to me right away, and we're going to talk about those two next. We'll start with this one: Newcastle plus one hundred five at Bet three six five at home hosting. Our boys, Crystal Palace. It's going to feel good. We we took a week off, and it didn't feel right not betting them. Um, but I'll be back on them here. Plus 275 uh, at St. James Park. The draw plus 240. BJ, I think you made a good point before about Palace. They went ahead. They shelled up a little bit too much, even though they, they looked good. Like they were dic- still dictating the play. I think Patrick Vieira probably would like to have that one back with the way he managed that game out. Uh, rather than just going for the second goal, they, they really did get defensive. Newcastle, though, I mean, they're valiant, valiant effort at Anfield without Bruno, without Alan St. Maximan and without Callum Wilson. But this, this line suggests that Newcastle, this version of Newcastle would be favored over West Ham at a neutral site. That's not right. I mean, I think even at full strength, it's pretty close. So give me Crystal Palace plus 275, nearly three to one on a, on a really good team here. I know they're on the road and, and, and last season it really bared out that they played much better at Selhurst Park, but this team, they have the kind of, midfield horses to stick with uh, Newcastle. And we saw Newcastle struggled in situations where the the onus was on them to dictate play. Uh, They seemed to punch up better as an underdog encounter. We saw that, you know, in the city game, even today against in Liverpool. So uh, this, this one, a team that doesn't profile well as a favorite against a team that does profile well as an underdog in Crystal Palace. So back on the Eagles, it feels so nice. Anthony, anything? Yeah. Just a pure numbers play for me here. I mean, I make this game uh, Newcastle a slight favorite. Pro teams have millions to spend, and they don't always spend them wisely. But when it comes to a great shave, you don't have to shell out tons of cash. Harry's saw customers getting ripped off by the shaving industry with overpriced, underperforming products and decided to do something better. They found their own way to make beautifully designed razors for a fraction of the price of the other big brands. So you never wonder if you overpaid. 
Harry's shaving products look great, and the weighted handle makes shaving feel great too. I like to keep my beard neat, and Harry's always leaves me with a smooth yet crisp shave. Harry's quality is top-notch, thanks to German-engineered blades made in their own factory that stay sharp longer. You can get a five-blade razor, weighted handle, foaming shave gel, and a travel cover for just three bucks at harrys.com slash bluewire. And Harry's has the highest customer satisfaction in the shaving industry, plus a convenient subscription option that you can cancel at any time. Getting the best doesn't mean spending the most when you shave with Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com slash bluewire. That's harrys.com slash bluewire for a $3 trial set. Don't get them to a full half goal, only got a 0.26. And so I'm happy to, uh, and that's you know basically a home field adjustment. I've got Crystal Palace slightly better. You adjust for home field. You get to Newcastle as a slight favorite, not a half goal. Palace plus a half. We're back on the Eagles. And it is nice that the one time we all did not bet them, they did not win so it feels good to uh not miss out and we're back all right bj three for three yeah i, I definitely own crystal palace here it's it, yeah you mentioned Vieira going very conservative you know he's he obviously did it against manchester city because it's it's manchester city so you know a, a lot of teams will do that those goals were fluky too <laughs> they were fluky yeah so when when palace scored against brentford the xg was 0. 0.6 to 0. 0.49 in the 59th minute and the match ended, you know, Brentford 1.8 to Palace about 0.8. So they really just took their foot off the pedal. And you even saw like, like Zaha in the post-game uh, press conference was like really upset. He was like, I don't know why we went ultra conservative. Like what we we were creating chances, like we were getting the good ball moving forward. And they were controlling possession pretty well against Brentford. And they just kind of sat back. Well, if we go back to when they played Newcastle towards the end of last season, Newcastle went up early and they did the exact same thing that Palace did to Brentford. And Newcastle has been doing that quite a bit, basically, since Eddie Howe took over. Once they go up, they basically, all right, we're going to sit in defensively. But you, you already mentioned it, Michael. No St. Maximum, no Callum Wilson, no Guimaraes. Obviously, Ishak's amazing. It was a great goal for him today. But who's going to be supplying him the ball against the top five defense in the Premier League? So uh, the one thing I'll look out for Crystal Palace is they're, they're second to last in the Premier League in passes per defensive action right now, which is kind of concerning because last season they actually were a top five team in terms of presses per 90. And when they played Newcastle towards the end of last season, their passes per defensive action was 5.4. So they did press them really, really well. So I'm, I'm hoping that Crystal Palace is a little more aggressive, comes out, tries to press Newcastle, who I've already mentioned was the worst team playing through pressure from the January transfer window on. Didn't look good playing through pressure against Liverpool today. So I'm with Anthony. I have I have Newcastle at plus 127. 538's got them at plus 125. So yeah, definitely some value out here on Crystal Palace. I mean, I'll be on them plus half a goal. Yeah, I think that pass for defensive action is very schedule dependent in this case. Yeah, and they, you know, they, they, yeah, because they've they've played, they played Liverpool, Arsenal, they played, they played Arsenal, City, yeah. and they were up for um, you know they were up right. on at least two of those teams. We so want to I see the that, team that played Aston Villa. Like, yes, yeah. they went behind, but like from right when they went behind, they were like, we're controlling this match, so we're controlling possession, we're moving the ball forward. Like that team is really good. Okay. And, and honestly, the team that played Arsenal opening day, yes, uh, yeah, had yep. a lot of success pressing Arsenal as well. Yep. I kind of think Arsenal and Newcastle are similar, except Arsenal have uh, much better, way better players. players. Well, much better attacking players, at least midfield. I think uh, they're comparable. Uh, the 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 other price that stood out to me right away, I actually chortled when I when I saw the the line. Nottingham Forest odds on odds on. I'm pretty close to that minus one hundred six. I'm on that. Yeah, I'm I'm on right on. I'm on Nottingham Forest plus one hundred two. I, I mean, I have Nottingham Forest slightly better and home field. Yep. And Bournemouth plus 280, draw plus 250. Bournemouth, we were all I mean, they did nothing them. today. 0. 0.36. Uh, they had a couple good chances. XG against Wolves, um, 1.47 in total on the year, uh, according to Understat. And it's it's amazing. I mean, I remember we did a preview podcast with uh, Alon Shapiro from the FML FPL podcast. And I was saying, you just... This, this is the worst team in the Premier League. The worst team in the Premier League doesn't get to, to 30 points. That's why I like the under 32 and a half on Bournemouth. And my main reasoning was they didn't have good players. There was no Simple good players. As that. Simple as that. Scott Parker agrees. And that's why Scott Parker got sacked because he spoke out against that. And they still don't have good players. People got caught up with Dominic Solanke because he had a good season in the championship, but he didn't have any Premier League players around him to help him bring that success forward. All that being said, all of that being said, I am not going to pass up the opportunity to bet at a Premier League team, one that has a win this year. Remember that plus two eighty <laughs> against Nottingham Forest. You just can't. I mean, your numbers are going to say whatever, but this is 
the 20th team, best team in the Premier League versus the 19th best team in the Premier League. And one of them is plus 280. Simple as that, uh, BJ. Uh, this is so, I mean, we were early enough. I mean, Nottingham Forest, they've, they've bought so many players that it, it almost makes it uh, not relevant. But we can go back at least to, you know, the, the times these teams played each other in the championship. Uh, you know, Bournemouth. None of the beat- players are playing. Like I only know. like a couple of them have actually played. So I think there's, you know, there's still some mostly last year's team there. Yeah. I mean, it's, I mean, Bournemouth beat Forrest one, nothing like they went up early and then Forrest basically kind of dominated the match from that point on XG was 1.3 to 0.4. Uh, and then they obviously, they played on the second day of the, the year last year, which you can't really, can't really take much from that because Forrest, you know, they started out so bad uh, at the beginning of the championship, but, I don't even know what to do, Michael. I mean, I mean, I know what you're gonna say. Well, just take Bournemouth. They've been so they've been terrible, so bad offensively. And I, I don't know. I mean, it's it's hard because then I look at Nottingham Forest and I'm like, you can't just buy 20 new players, throw them on the pitch, and just say, hey, play together. Like it takes some time for this to work. So, you know, you could potentially look at an under here. You know, if Bournemouth's get truly gonna set up this conservative under a caretaker manager who Michael, yeah. I might like to mention did coach Liverpool U 23 yeah. ago. So a little conspiracy theory out so, there. I mean, that, Steve that Cooper, Klopp, Steve Cooper. That Klopp intentionally got Parker uh, uh, sacked beating him nine, nothing, but yeah, that's for another day. Uh, <laughs> no, I'm passing. This is, I don't, I don't, I mean, I, 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 this match, will be, it'll be, it'll be painfully fun to watch, but. Uh, Wolves no, Bournemouth was not pain, was not fun. Or painful. It was just pain. But there's a little difference here. I, think, I mean, we cashed, but or I, I cashed plus a half, but it was terrible. Yeah, it was a nil-nil. So, like, Bournemouth, by the way, yeah, they, they're the worst team in the Premier League. They have four points. That's a lot more than – or it's one more than Everton. Fire Steven Gerrard. There's, 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 there's more than Leicester. There's more than Leicester. It's, it's more, more than, than Aston Villa. At the time of recording. Yeah, right. It's more than Wolves. Right? So, we're, we're talking about this team. They're bad. We know they're terrible. But they have scratched out four points against Aston Villa and Wolves. Meanwhile, they lost the games they lost to 16 nothing on aggregate, by the way, were against Arsenal. The uh, clean sheets in the other two in the other uh, two matches. And and so this is what's kind of lucky me today, to this bet, but... right? Like they're gonna sit back and they're gonna try to just count, get two or three decent counters and, and hope one of them goes in and then hope that they can just hold on for dear life. That can work against Nottingham Force, who against Tottenham, they, they did a good job of kind of that middle third of, of their, of the, the, their attacking half, but then they can never get that, that, that key pass or the key play to really create a big scoring chance. We're going to find out how good Nottingham Forest is coming up. Cause they play a tough schedule. Let's be honest. They played a pretty difficult schedule open the season. They got Bournemouth Leeds, Fulham, Leicester, Aston Villa, Wolves snack uh, all coming up. So we're yeah. really going to find out like as the January after, as this transfer window finally closes and they can't buy any new players, we're really going to find out how good this team is. Are they near the bottom with Bournemouth right now? I mean, I, I mean I'd say no, but maybe this match will show us that. Yeah. Maybe they should be near the bottom with Bournemouth right now. I think they, I think it's pretty fair to say that these are the two worst teams in the premier league. Yeah. Uh, Anthony, what do you have here in terms of a bet on forest Bournemouth? Yeah. I like the under two and a half um, forest get pasted. I, I don't care about the match. Throw it out. Bournemouth got pasted too by city. It doesn't matter really. It's a totally different competition when you're playing them versus when you're playing each other. Uh, I think Bournemouth showed an impressive work rate off the ball today. I was very impressed by that. Uh, They defended relatively well. I mean, Wolves had a couple of chances, but nothing crazy, nothing like where you're like, how have they not scored? Raul had the only chance that, you know, where you're really like, okay, they probably should have scored there. And then maybe in the last minute, but I thought they defended the box. Well, I think this attack was, they overperformed last year, a decent bit. Uh, And they, they, we're due to regress anyway, coming into this league and they have fallen off a cliff offensively. And I don't think they have any solutions to that. So I think Forrest defensively should be okay here. And I think this is a, a, a grinded out, clawed out kind of game. And at two and a half, I'm happy to take the under. I'm, I, I you know, I guess Nottingham Forest's defense has been so bad and both defense have been so bad against these top teams that you're getting a two and a half, but really I think it should be closer to two and a quarter. So I'll take the under two and a half and minus 120. Uh, now we can move on to Anthony's Tottenham Hotspur. I got nothing here between Tottenham and Fulham. Spurs minus 250 at home. Fulham plus 600. The draw plus 375 at bet 365. Uh, it was an impressive win for Fulham against Brighton. Stopped a nine-game uh, unbeaten streak in the Premier League for the Seagulls uh, going back to last season. 
it is another tough stylistic matchup for a team like them against Tottenham. But Spurs, uh, Anthony, you, you kind of were onto this a little earlier than us. You, you watch them with a, maybe a tighter lens. They don't look quite right yet. So tough to lay minus 250 here. I'm tempted by the price on Fulham, but I will likely be staying away. What about you? No, I'm taking Fulham. I mean, let's flash back. You got to go all the way back to last Saturday when Arsenal played Fulham uh, and the line was right where it is now. It actually closed lower. I have Arsenal power rated better than Spurs after five matches, the Premier League season. Congratulations, BJ, but it's close, but uh, Fulham were plus one and a half in that match. And I bet our, I bet against Arsenal and Fulham are plus one and a half in this match. And I will be betting against Tottenham. The thing that is a little scary is that when Spurs go ahead, they almost become more dangerous because of how effective they are in transition. And, you know, when teams have to come and try to get that goal, I mean, I'd argue they're the best counterattacking direct position team in the league. And uh, they're very good at that. So that is the scary part of having Fulham plus one and a half. But my numbers say that Fulham's undervalued here. I'm, I'm still skeptical of Tottenham. I mean, today the XG was like 1.4 to 0.7 in favor of West Ham. Now, granted, there was a tap in by Sone that was graded an own goal. So, okay, you throw that in. Still, I mean, it was an even match. And West Ham exposed what I think is the biggest problem with Spurs right now. And it's that none of their center backs can pass. And we saw it time and time again. They kept getting stuck trying to get out of their own half, trying to get the ball up. Uh, Basuma and Hoybier are good passers, but they're not progressive passers. They don't really move the ball forward. They kind of just recycle the possession. And then usually either Kane comes short or the wingbacks are in charge of bringing the ball up. So I think Fulham, they're going to sit low. They're going to sit deep. Uh, they're going to press at times, but I think they can do a pretty effective job of forcing Spurs center backs to pass through them. And I don't think that they're going to be able to create a lot off of that. So I'm um, taking Fulham plus one and a half. BJ, you yeah. were rolling, you're rolling your eyes there. Um, but yeah, I mean, come on. <laughs> we're only having only five matches. And I mean, Tottenham's look fine. Like it's they're not fine. like they've, they fine. haven't, they haven't completely dry. I mean, yeah, whatever. Shot differential um, is still a little concerning. And we'll I understand find, like yeah. shot we'll, quality is real, but yeah. So here's, I'm, I'm here's, where I'm, here's where I'm at is that we haven't, and this is kind of, you know, to your point, Anthony, about, uh, you know, Tottenham being dangerous when they have a lead. We haven't seen Fulham really playing from behind this season. I mean, you know, for what, a few minutes against Arsenal when they went down 2-1, but they were ahead against Liverpool. They drew Wolves 0-0. They were ahead against Arsenal. They were ahead against Brentford for most of the match. Uh, they they went ahead against Brighton. I thought Brighton uh, was very, was a lot better in the first half, was able to control possession, wasn't able to get a lot of shots, but they were controlling the midfield pretty well. And then it was kind of just like a fluky little bounce that uh, got through and, and Mitrovic put it away. And that kind of forced Brighton's hand to play a little more aggressive. Um, so I don't really know what we're going to see from Marco Silva if they go down uh, against Tottenham. Um, he could go crazy and they could just play uber aggressive and try and press Tottenham. But I mean, Fulham's not been a good pressing team. They're actually, you know, fifth to last in the Premier League and pass per defensive action. And they're actually the second worst team at playing through pressure, which Southampton right now is the worst. So to Anthony's point, they're going to sit deep. Like they're going to defend, like they have done a really good job of that so far, but purely from a numbers play, I mean, I have a little bit of value on Tottenham minus one and a half at plus plus one fifteen. You know, I rate them essentially from the Conte era on, which essentially is two expected goals per match and one against, which is, is pretty impressive. So um, I'm backing Tottenham. Uh, I've shown some value on it. And I, I don't think we know what Fulham's going to look like if they actually go behind. That's why you love this podcast. Uh, we, we are not here to to sit around the water cooler, as our friend Colin Wilson on the BBOC podcast once said. We're here to talk about the betting, but we're also here for BJ, the Arsenal fan, to bet on Tottenham, and Anthony, the Tottenham fan, to bet against Tottenham. Another 10 a.m. kickoff, this one. Oof, I don't know who's going to be watching it. Wolves plus 115 at home. Southampton, hats off to them, I think, by the way. We, we probably were a little wrong uh, about how good this team is, for at least right now. Uh, do have questions about their depth and, and the style they play, but Midfield's we'll get to good, those. man. We'll get to those in November or so. Uh, Saints plus two twenty-five. Uh, the draw plus two forty. This line suggests that Wolverhampton would be a slight, slight favorite on a neutral field over Saints. Uh, hmm. I don't know if I don't know if I agree with that, uh, but these are two rough teams. Uh, BJ, anything here? 
Yeah, I'll probably end up playing Southampton. I really don't want to pay. You know, it's it's minus one forty five right now for plus half a goal in Southampton. I really don't want to I want to play that. So I'm gonna. I I actually showing a little bit of value on them. Draw no bet plus one fifty. They were good against Chelsea. Like they they didn't control a lot of possession, but they played well defensively. The midfield is good with James Ward-Prowse. You know, the young pieces like Libya and, and um, a couple other guys have been really good so far this season. You know, they haven't been good at playing through pressure and. I mean, who's laying Wolves as a favorite right now? I mean, like they have not been impressive. Like, yeah, they they dominated the you know possession against Bournemouth today, but I mean, like Anthony said, they didn't create really anything of value other than the you know Jimenez chance. Um, they haven't been good so far this season, even though they have controlled all that possession. Like I mentioned in the last podcast, they lead the Premier League in shots from outside the box and have the second fewest from inside the eighteen yard box. So uh, against the Southampton team that. Yeah, I mean, I'll admit, I, I was kind of wrong about them early on in the season. Now, they'll fall off in January, and they'll, they'll become horrible once again, but just like they do every single year under Hassan Hoodle. But I think this is the type of match that, you know, even if Wolves goes ahead, I mean, Southampton, let's let's give them some credit. They've gone behind against Chelsea. They came back and won. They went behind, again, two goals against Leeds, and they came back and won. They went behind against Leicester, and they came back and won. So, like, this team is showing a lot of resilience. So, you know, Wolves isn't going to press them uh, as much as, you know, other teams will. I mean, they were 19th in pass per defensive action last season. So with Southampton being the worst team playing through pressure so far in the Premier League, I don't think Wolves is really going to capitalize that on that. But I do expect Wolves to control a lot of the possession, but it will be in their own final third. So I'm going to play Southampton, uh, draw no bet at plus 150. Uh, Anthony, you are targeting the total here. Yeah, a version of a total, a version of a Wolves over. Uh, both teams to score, yes, minus 120. This really comes down to Wolves. You know, they fail to score once again, and they clearly have a striker problem. I'm wondering if we won't see Sasa, who they just signed, uh, Kozlicic. They just signed him from him. Stuttgart. Uh, good striker, gets his head on the ball, decent with his feet as well. Uh, I think he could be okay for Wolves. I think he's better than Raul now, who looks pretty well cooked. Uh, I think they're a striker away from actually improving quite a bit offensively. And they've produced now uh, almost six expected goals and have just two goals to show for it. And so uh, goals are coming for this Wolves attack. At some point, they are going to put one away or two. And what better opponent to do that against than the Saints team who loves to press and will still concede big scoring chances, as we saw even in their win against Chelsea. Sterling had a couple of chances. Havertz got in behind, but his angle was too tight. Like there were chances for Chelsea to uh, get at them. And I think there will be more of those coming and, uh, and Saints again. The attack showing some signs of life uh, and the numbers are a little cheap here. I'm surprised we're only minus 120 for a competitive match that's totaled at two and a half. Uh, so I like that. The 12.30 p.m. kickoff on Saturday is Anthony's Aston Villa plus 475 at Bet365 hosting Man City minus 275. The draw here, five to one. This could be Steven Gerrard's swan song if they get pasted by City. I don't really have much else to say about Aston Villa that I haven't already said on other episodes, which is that they just, they reek of Everton from two years ago when they had a hundred center midfielders or I guess it was three or four years ago now. And they had all these big ticket players and they all kind of do the same thing. Well, and it's going to fall on the manager to to pick the right 11. And sometimes he's going to get it right. Sometimes he's going to get it wrong. And uh, Gerard has, has got it wrong more often than not lately. Three wins, I believe in their last, 18 or 19 Premier League matches. Uh, their last six wins, I'll, I'll remind you guys all again, their last six Premier League wins, two against Everton, Brighton, Burnley, Leeds, Norwich. Uh, this is not a good soccer team right now. And they are taking on Erling Holland uh, and Man City. And boy, betting an under when he's trucking in hat tricks for fun. Is that fun? Today. I'll be there. It's two, under two and a half is plus 162. And that's where I'm going. Uh, I love it personally. Uh, yeah. I think it, it, it's, uh, you know, look, uh, I'm not even going to say the words Holland regression, but like, yeah, the guy's a good finisher, but he's not going to finish at this rate up forever. I'm only going to say it at, like every other week. I'll mix it in because I could say it every single week for like the next two months. And he's going to keep scoring a lot of goals because he's very good, but I'm having nothing on this game. I don't want the Villa syndicate. We're about to file for bankruptcy after a couple more <laughs> losses, <laughs> but uh, they looked absolutely dreadful today. Um, and they should be better at home. You'd like to see, you know, I mean, they played him at the end of last season and honestly did an excellent job the first hour of shutting out City's chances and then getting looking dangerous on the counter. Coutinho was the best player on the pitch. I don't think that's going to be the case on on Saturday. Yeah, not much else to say there. Uh, so let's move to Sunday. Uh, Brighton, minus 120. Their odds on favorites against Leicester City, who uh, we are recording this on Wednesday night. Leicester City, Manchester United has yet to be played. Leicester is plus 350. 
going to the Amex, the draw plus 240. Brighton lost to Fulham. That was sad uh, for Graham Potter and his boys, but there's nothing really alarming about it. It was a, a weird deflected goal to to tie it, and, you know, it's going to happen. I think uh, Potter was – was he was a little harder on his boys than I was just there, but, yeah, like I, don't, I just don't really have too many concerns here. I think the number's too expensive. Uh, Brighton, uh, I'll see. Let's see what happens with Leicester because they are actually a team where – how they look and, and how they play in terms of like effort. And if they're on the same page, does matter right now because of uh, what's going on with transfers and and the manager basically walking the plank. So we'll see. Wasn't, if, wasn't first manager fired though. No, <laughs> cannot believe that. But um, that bad beat there really. That was a bad yeah. beat. Yeah. Born so this yeah. opening schedule was too, too hard. And, and their, their manager was too honest. So while I'm staying away from this one, both of you guys are on the same side, BJ. Yeah, I love Brighton at minus 115. I have them projected around minus 130, so I'm getting a little value there. You know, Leicester, now that they've sold Fafana, how is this defense going to get better as we go along throughout the season? They were 16th in expected goals allowed last season, 14th in big scoring chances allowed, 16th in box entries allowed, playing a Brighton team that has looked good. Like, through the first, I mean, obviously they've won a lot of matches, but 7.8 expected goals for, for 5.4 against. They've looked impressive. They've been able to control possession, especially against uh, some of these, you know, lower tier sides. And I mentioned on a couple episodes ago, uh, Brighton against bottom half of the table teams last year, which I think we'd all would agree that Leicester is a bottom half of the table team at this current state. Brighton was, you know, 14 expected goals for seven and a half against last year. So they're very, very impressive at home against lower sides. So I have no issue taking them here at minus 115. They should be able to control possession. You know, Tielemans, who knows if he plays, he might be leaving to uh, a mystery club uh, before, you know, the, the match on uh, Sunday. And the way Leicester, I mean, the way they actually were successful last year and where they were early in the season is they were able to control the midfield against some some weaker teams. But that's not going to happen here against Brighton, who's been doing a tr- tremendous job with Caicedo and, and Gross and, and other guys at being able to actually control the, the midfield press well. Uh, it looks like the loss of Basuma isn't really that big of a loss for them. So um, yeah, I'm playing, I'm playing Brighton minus 115 here. I mean, this is, and I know Anthony will probably mention it too, but I mean, Brighton has been incredible on set pieces the last few years. Leicester, obviously the worst team uh, against set pieces last year. So a lot of advantages for Brighton all over the pitch here and, and Leicester. We'll see if we can get a better number on them. I'm hoping that they beat United and that like Brighton comes down to minus 105, even money somewhere around there. But I don't see uh, Brendan Rodgers outmanaging Graham Potter in this one. Uh, Anthony, you are also on Brighton. Uh, it, it is worth noting that we're recording this Wednesday night. The transfer window closes about 24 hours from when we are recording on Wednesday night. Uh, so good be luck fun. to our friend Fabrizio. Yeah, I don't think Tielemans is going to be on, in the team. It's a busy day for our friend Fabrizio. Yeah, Fabrizio Romano, friend of Wonder, the, friend of, the of, Wonder, of Wonder Goal fame. Uh, Anthony, yep. uh, what do you have here? Brighton and Leicester. Yeah, I mean, uh, BG and I are in agreement. We, we model the game close to one another. We uh, both see that Brighton has a midfield edge that is ginormous in this match. Uh, it goes down to ball progression going back way to last season. And the biggest difference maker in this match is that Brighton have had striker problems and Leicester have had Jamie Vardy. But the Vardy party has either not kicked off or it's over uh, because unless Vardy shows, his, uh, shows me something in the next four to five matches... Uh, this Leicester team has nothing going forward. I mean, Madison is okay. Barnes is good, but there's nobody to get on the end of it if they're going to start Vardy and not Daka. And so uh, I'm not sure where Brighton or Leicester makes up for that edge that Brighton has in the midfield. I mean, look at the ball progression numbers. You've got a team who couldn't stop teams from getting into their own penalty area last year, which was Leicester. Uh, And we talked about set pieces being a big part of their defense of issues, but they just didn't stop the ball well. Uh, and, and Didi not being there hurt at times, but Tielemans doesn't really do that much ball winning anyway. Uh, Dewsbury Hall is very mediocre. So there's not much to like about Leicester. I think Brighton bosses this match and it comes down to Brighton finishing their chances. And, you know, I'll, I'll bet on them to do that all the time. And, and look, I think Leeds are better than Leicester and Brighton were just minus 110 at home against Leeds. And uh, now they're the same number against the worst team. So, yeah, and Madison. I'm not, not going to bet it until after Thursday. We'll see what happens with Leicester. Yeah. Always like more data, more information, but I'll be on Brighton 90%. Madison is questionable to play United too. So if he's out, I mean, yeah, just all over Brighton. And finally, the 10th and final 
match on the Premier League docket that we will talk about. Mm. Manchester United Mm-mm-mm. plus 150 at home hosting <laughs> Arsenal plus 162 at Bet365 to draw plus 250. I'm just going to let you go, BJ. What planet should Arsenal be underdogs here? On what planet? So let's talk about this because we're obviously recording before the last United match. You know, if we, if we had what happened that match, you know, it would obviously make a difference here. But United have since, really since the start of last year, have been bad. I mean, I don't, I've been saying it over and over again. I've said it every way possible, but they, it's the same players. You can keep changing the manager all you want when you have a group of players that don't want to press as a team, that don't really want to play as a team and just want to play as individuals. It, it just doesn't work. So if we go from when Olga and Solskjaer was fired uh, after the match against Watford last year, and that's essentially around the same time that Arsenal kind of made their little turn and started getting this thing moving forward after a bad start to last season. Arsenal in about 30 matches is at plus 27 and a half expected goal differential to today. United is at plus three with the same group of players. Yes, there's a couple that have came in, but really the same group of players has been plus three expected goal differential in a 30 match sample size. That is not good. How is that team a slight favorite at home over the hottest team in the Premier League right now who's won five straight? And I get it. People are going to say, well, Arsenal hasn't been tested yet. Well, if we look at the matches that Arsenal played towards the end of last season, they played City tough. They beat Chelsea. They played Liverpool tough. They are were way better than those matches at the beginning of the season when they got obviously pasted by Liverpool, pasted by City. So, you know, the two matches they did play against United last season, you know, the, the XG was pretty close in, in both of them. So you can make that argument for United. But this match is basically suggesting that Arsenal would just be an ever so slight favorite on a neutral field. How is that possible? No, they would be a plus 120, plus 110 favorite on a neutral field. So I have Arsenal at plus 137, 538 degrees with me. They have Arsenal at 42%. So I'm taking my Gunners for the first time this year, and it feels feels tremendous. Palace, the Gunners, Brighton, Brentford, BJ's one, playing One thing I'll it. say is Liverpool was just minus 170. Minus they opened, they went up to minus 230, and now minus Arsenal's one, minus 150 at the close. Arsenal's United was essentially plus one hundred and ten cents worse than Liverpool. I don't. Yeah, a full no. goal basically. Worse. Yeah, a full goal. Uh, I'm no. not so sure of that. So I mean, no. I'm definitely not betting United here, but uh, we'll see about Arsenal. We'll see how United looks tomorrow. Yeah, I mean, a big United win, BJ. You just said you wanted Leicester win for your Brighton price, but you know, you get you get a rousing United <laughs> performance, and all of a sudden you could get Arsenal. All of a sudden they're plus one twenty five, yeah. <laughs> and I'm, I'm getting Arsenal at, at a crazy plus five. This is dumb. Let's see. When the is going to catch kind, up to United? Like when the, is it the match? Happen? The match does kind of set up in a similar way. Arsenal gets to have the ball, and United gets to play without yeah. it, and, and look to counter and use their pace and space. And I think like that could. I mean, that's been when United's been good. That's been their bread and butter, even in the Ole era. So uh, yeah, you I know, mean, they can make that case, but uh, it's a tough case to make. The match in April. I mean, Arsenal was plus one fifteen at home against United. So it's not like this is that drastic. Of a, I believe we all had our, I, I definitely, I had Arsenal in that match. Yeah. That match, yeah. Yeah. So, um, you know, Ronaldo's staying at the club um, after just furiously trying to, to look, I think Ronaldo, the super route. sub is like a perfect role. Yeah. I mean, he hates it, but yeah, yeah. perfect role. Uh, all right. That wraps up the premier league onto the Bundesliga. Uh, I'll go first here because it's pretty obvious. Mm-hmm. Mines plus two ten against Anthony's Gladbach off a 1-1 draw against Bayern last weekend. Um, that was incredible. It, it's pretty- I mean, I still haven't come down off of the emotional high of that match. It was incredible. Jan Sommer was was literally he, a was, hero. he said a, he said a he said a Bundesliga record, record for saves. I mean, it was incredible. I watched saves. I watched the match with one of my good friends who's a Bayern fan and uh I mean every save I was just I was just screaming. I was, you know, I was yelling like this man is the goat. Like he's a legend. Like you can't beat him. He's a brick wall. Uh, and, and look, it, it was like deja vu all over again for Byron. So Gladbach getting that point, we covered the plus two with ease and we were so close on the 11 to one. I mean, it was, it was a lot of fun, but I can't wait to do it again in February. Anyways, I'll be, um, I'll be fading Gladbach here. I, I like mines plus two ten. say it every How week. can you not every week? One of the best defenses of Germany last, last season, that is starting to show again. This season, five goals allowed uh, so far, but only 2.83 expected goals against. They should be able to handle this Gladbach attack and don't trust the Gladbach defense to keep Mines out. So 
back on minds. BJ, your favorite bet in the Bundesliga. Yeah, I like Leipzig, even money on the road at Frankfurt. So, I mean, we've talked about Frankfurt. If you haven't listened, make sure to go listen to our Champions League preview that went out Wednesday uh, morning. I mean, we talked about Frankfurt. They were just bad in the Bundesliga last year. And the, the theory is, is that they had this crazy Europa League run. They go and win it. And they basically just said, ah, the heck with the Bundesliga. Who really cares? We're way out of getting any, any type of European place. So we'll just put it on the back burner. Well, that's not really the case because if we take their performances up until March 9th, which is when the knockout stage started for the Europa League, Frankfurt was at a minus 10 expected goal differential in 25 matches and were allowing 1.72 expected goals per match. And they finished the season with a minus seven and a half expected goal differential. So they're actually a positive expected goal differential during their Europa League run. They were just so bad at the beginning of the season. And Leipzig, I mean, under Tedesco, since he's take, took, taken over, they're at plus 1.01 expected goal differential per 90 minutes. That is elite if they can continue that for an entire season. And under him, they're allowing under one expected goal per match in the wide open Bundesliga. They also have our guy we already mentioned, Timo Werner back, who makes their attack so, so much better. And this is an attack that was second in big scoring chances last season. Home against the Frankfurt defense, that was 15th in big scoring chances allowed. Also, kind of hilarious, These when both meetings last season were draws, uh, Leipzig won on expected goals 3.8 to 0.7. So I, I have Leipzig at around minus 135, so I, I love them uh, at even money on the road against Frankfurt. Uh, Anthony, what do you have for us in, in Germany? Yeah, it's a good buy low on Leipzig. I mean, they did beat Wolfsburg last week, but they have struggled to start the season. I am taking an under. Three, Werder Bremen. I mean, they've had a crazy <laughs> run to start the season. Uh, 10 goals for and 10 goals against in four matches. So about two and a half per match. That, that automatically signals a huge like five alarm fire in my head where I'm like, okay, wait a second, what's going on? Uh, they've scored a ton of shots from outside the box. Uh, a lot of low XG chances and a lot of incredible finishes into the top corner. Uh, their attack, like they're, they're a decent team, but they're not on that level. Uh, and I think they're going to struggle to continue to put up those numbers. Regression is coming, of course. Uh, only 4.3 expected goals for, only 4.4 against. So their defense has run really poor as well. Uh, they get Bochum, who is going through the second-year syndrome in the Bundesliga right now, really struggling to create chances. I think they're going to continue to do that. Werder Bremen's defense is actually pretty good, uh, and uh, they held Dortmund up pretty well. So I like the under three here. Uh, to La Liga now, Anthony. Yeah, we'll just keep firing. I mean, Sociedad's uh, worse than Atleti, but when you put in the home field advantage, I make them a favorite. They're a pick in this match at home. I understand they lost uh, Alexander Isak, who is our boy, who had a great start for Newcastle, but uh, I just can't get there on the number. Atleti also with a look-ahead spot now with the Champions League rolling uh, up to town next week. You know, finally excited to talk about that next week, but uh, I like Sociedad at home here. I make them a slightly bigger favorite than they are. It's not a huge edge. Uh, but not a great board for me in La Liga. So I like uh, Sociedad. Perhaps the game of the season, uh, Mallorca and Girona, the draw, plus 220. Uh, like Combined, these two teams have produced five expected goals in six matches. Uh, all three of Girona's goals on the season came in the same match, a 3-1 win at Getafe. Uh, and we know Mallorca is just, they're not going to do much with the ball, and they're just going to sit back. And these two teams could basically just line up on either side of the half and stare at each other for 90 minutes and... Walk away with a nil-nil. So uh, I am on the draw here, Mallorca and Girona, plus 220 at Bet365. BJ, what do you like in Spain? I'm going for another relegation six-pointer, Michael. I'm going to go with Valladolid against Almeria. So it's funny you mentioned Real Sociedad, Anthony, because they just signed Almeria's striker, Umar Sadiq, who is everything to them. He's the I man. Mean, he is the man. He's He was 16 goals He's in him. the second division, two goals already this year. I mean, he's just, he was everything to Almeria and he's gone now. So I think you're getting valid lead at a, at a pretty good price here, plus 125. And, you know, if we look at their expected goal differential in the Segunda División last season, I mean, valid lead was plus 5.4 per 90. Almeria was plus 0.45. So valid lead was, was slightly better. And I, I don't think we can read too much into what valid lead has done so far this season because they've played Villarreal, Sevilla, and Barcelona. So, and they've, you know, haven't been very good, haven't created over one expected goal in each of those matches, but this is a different opponent. It's a fellow promotion team. Um, I mean, I have validly projected at minus 115 after factoring Sadiq being gone from Almeria. So I'm going to take the price on valid lead at plus 125. And this is also a Monday afternoon game for all you people out there. I would push back on one thing. 
that's Ramazani erasure for Almeria. Uh, he is underrated and he is a king because he scored uh, or he had a great game against Sevilla in that win, including the uh, opening goal. So uh, Ramazani and Sadiq both are kind of like the whole attack. So they lose half their attack now. And, and uh, I think they're going to struggle at this point. But Almeria, thank you for that cash against Sevilla last week. Yeah. Uh, Syria, uh, BJ. Yeah, I'm going to go with uh, Verona, even money against Sampdoria. I mean, Verona, we, we talked about them quite a bit last season. They were drastic overperformers offensively, 65 goals off 52 expected, but they were also pretty unlucky defensively. I mean, they allowed 59 goals off 49 expected. Now, a lot of that overperformance offensively had to do with Giovanni Simeone, Diego Simeone's son, who's now at Napoli. Uh, but through four matches, I mean, Verona, they've they faced Napoli, Bologna, Atalanta, and Empoli. They have a minus four actual goal differential and minus one expected goal differential. And in terms of matchups, I mean, taking on Sandoria, this, it doesn't really get much better for Verona because Verona was actually third in Serie A last season in pass per defensive action, pressure success rate, and ball recoveries. And that hasn't changed this season because through four matches, they're the number one team in Serie A in passes per defensive action. Sampdoria was 18th in pressure success rate allowed last season. And in the two meetings against Verona, Verona had a pass per defensive action of 7.7 and 6.8. And Sampdoria... I mean, they had one of the worst expected goal differentials in Serie A, minus 21.5. They love the third most big scoring chances. And I mean, they're the bottom five team in pretty much every single metric, both offensively and, and, and defensively. I mean, even Harry Winks can't save them. So I, I like, I have Verona projected actually at like around minus 170. So I, I like them at plus 105 at bet 365. Uh, Anthony. Yeah, the market, the market's reacting heavily. I mean, they lost Simeone. They also lost Carpari, uh, Barack, like their whole team had to be sold or loaned at least because they're broke. Uh, so they're kind of in uh, free fall at the moment, but yeah. their actually numbers actually haven't been terrible to start the season. So mm-hmm. it, it kind of a proof that, you know, one or two players, even if it's someone like Simeone, who was their whole attack, they don't move the needle as much as maybe we think. Uh, as far as my best bet here, I'm going to an under Lazio and Napoli under 2.75. Sampdoria stealing that late result today. Just a, a classic uh, under spot here. Napoli's attack looked dominant early in the season. Everybody went crazy bonkers. Uh, and now they've you know played back-to-back sleeper games and the total is a little high here. I make it two and a half. So I'll take two and three quarters. Not a ton in this. I mean, Lazio's attack has run incredibly well. Now they're facing a defense that did not concede big scoring chances at all last year. They were excellent there. That was the whole Lazio thing. Napoli did lose Koulibaly. Okay, fair, but uh, still a pretty good defense and uh, the attack not nearly as good as uh, the early season would suggest. On to Ligue 1. Uh, Anthony, let's go with you first. Yeah, I'm going to take Troy plus a half, plus 110 at home. Had a terrible start to the season, lost their first three matches. Uh, but they've started to turn the corner a little bit. Their performances have improved. They still think this is a good buy low and it's a great sell high on Ren. Ren ran incredibly well last season. They won played like their XG numbers were way better than you'd expect based on past seasons. I think they just had a really hot season. Sometimes teams have a really good year. Uh, and they also finished at an extraordinary rate in league on an attack. And that is starting to come down to earth. And we've already seen it now through five matches they're just slightly better than league average. That doesn't make them good enough to be a road favorite against Troy. So I like Troy at home. BJ? I'm going to go with Toulouse. Draw no bet at even money against Claremont Foot. A nice relegation six-pointer here. I mean, Claremont Foot's been abysmal through five matches, and they look like syndrome. destined for relegation. They have 3.1 expected goals for 14.4 against, uh, both of which are dead last in league on. The biggest problem is offensively they lost their main goal scoring threat in this transfer window. I mean, Muhammad Bayo's at Lille. He had 14 goals and a 0.52 XG per 90 minute scoring rate last season. Nobody else on the team had over a, a 0.25 XG per 90 minute scoring rate. And then, you know, you you look at where they were at defensively last season. They were bottom five and expected goals allowed, big scoring chances allowed, and box entries allowed. Toulouse was pretty dominant in Ligue 2, the second division in France. They had a plus 7.2. Expected goal differential per 90 minutes to average around 1.9 expected goals per 90 minutes. Through the first five matches, they haven't been really that bad for a newly promoted team. Only a minus 1.3 non-penalty expected goal differential. Uh, the main reason for that is they've been pressing opponents really well. Their pass per defensive action is 8.6, and they forced 36 high turnovers. Though Both those are, are second in France. So I actually have them projected as a slight favorite. Um, so I like them on the draw no bet line at even money. And now we move on to our... Three-leg underdog parlay. Our parlay from the midweek episode was Everton, Bournemouth, and then Leicester. So we have two draws and then un, uh, Our underdogs un- love draw. Settled Which, you know, yeah. it says we're on to something, I guess. Yeah, right? exactly. But, but we never get the full win. I mean, we, that being said, we've, we've had a profitable year. 
Yeah, yeah, still profitable here. Uh, Anthony, you can go first. Yeah, I just talked about why I like Troy plus a half. Uh, I like Troy on the money line as well, plus 340 at home. So they'll probably end in a draw. But uh, I will take uh, the plus a half cash if that does occur. But I think this is worth a shot on the money line. Again, it's just a very overrated Ren team going on the road. Uh, difficult spot for them as well, coming off the midweek where they once again stole a late win. I'm going to take Troy at home, plus 340. For me, Crystal Palace plus 275 against Newcastle on the road. Crystal Palace and Newcastle, I think everyone on this podcast would be in agreement that at worst are peers. They are, there are some pretty good arguments we made that Crystal Palace is better than Newcastle and Newcastle is dealing with a ton of injuries. Bruno Guimaraes is out. Callum Wilson, Alan St. Maximin, they're all out for this match. And I think the market is just overreacting to a pretty good performance from Newcastle against Liverpool in which they lost 2-1 on a late winner. Meanwhile, the opposite kind of happened with Palace giving up that late goal to draw from a winning position. We talk about it. This has been a main theme on the podcast that the market just still hasn't caught up on how good this Crystal Palace team. So in no world should they be plus 275 against this Newcastle team, even on the road. BJ, what about you? Mines plus 210 on the road at Gladbach. You already mentioned it, Michael. Love Mines against this Gladbach team. These two teams met towards the end of last season. It was a 1-1 draw. Mines won on XG 2.2 to 1.6. And it's just a really good matchup for a team that, creates a lot of big scoring chances offensively. They were seventh in the Bundesliga last year. Gladbach was a catastrophe defensively. I mean, Jan Sommer, yeah, he had a historic performance against Bayern Munich, but I mean, he's going to regress at some point. And, you know, facing a team that is just incredible defensively, like you've already mentioned, Michael, it's a really good price on mine, especially after last week against Leverkusen losing three, nothing and XG basically being even. So a good buy low spot here for mines after coming off a loss. Good sell high spot on Gladbach coming off that 1-1 draw against Bayern. So mine's plus 210 for me. Mine's Troy and Crystal Palace, 50-1. to Should all three of those legs cash, and they will. Uh, Anthony, your favorite bet in the Premier League this weekend. Yeah, Wolves and Southampton, both teams to score yes, minus 120. First BTTS of the year for me. Uh, Wolves' attack has produced almost six expected goals. They only have two this year. There's going to be some uh, buy low in that, and I think it's built into the number a little bit. They're a little bit undervalued for this both teams to score, given that it's a pretty competitively lined match. And the total set at two and a half, so I'm a little surprised it's this low. And Saints, uh, they have shown some attacking potential. I won't say that they've been a great attack at this point in the season, uh, but again, we talk about Jose Sa and bailing out this Wolves defense. I do think uh, the both teams will get on the board here and uh, in this match. I'm going with Bournemouth, plus 280. And boy, are they terrible. Uh, 1.47 total expected goals through five games. Uh, they haven't scored since week one, I believe. And they're one game removed from losing a combined 16-0 uh, across three matches, including a 9-0 match that got their manager uh, sacked. So naturally, I'm picking them as my favorite bet this week because look at the price on Nottingham Forest, who are, if Bournemouth are the 20th best team in the Premier League, Nottingham Forest right now are the 19th best, and they're odds-on at home. They shouldn't be odds-on against any other team in the Premier League. So getting plus 280 to go against Nottingham Forest is how I'm looking at this rather than a bet on Bournemouth. BJ. What about you? Brighton, minus 115 at home against Leicester. This is a tremendous matchup for a Brighton team that has been fantastic at home at bottom half of the table sides. Last season, 14 expected goals for 7.5 expected goals against, against at home against teams in the bottom half of the table, which I would classify Leicester as right now. You look at also last year, Leicester, one of the worst set-piece teams in the Premier League, allowed over 20 expected goals off of set-pieces. Brighton, over the last two seasons, has been one of the most efficient teams off of set pieces, Brighton also should be able to dominate the midfield in this last se- you know last season in terms of progressive passes and dribbles. They were top six both offensively and defensively. Leicester in the bottom twelve in the Premier League in both those categories. Also, Leicester just sold their best defender Wesley Fofana to Chelsea. So I don't think this defense that was sixteenth in expected goals allowed last season is going to get much better. So. I have Brighton projected at minus 130, so I love them at minus 115. And that'll do it for another episode of Wonder Goal presented by Bet365. For BJ Cunningham, for Anthony DeBundo, I'm Michael Leboff. Best of luck with your bets this weekend.